0: All right, guys, welcome back to the Game Trail Podcast. Uh, I'm back to doing episodes. You guys should have an episode every other week, and hopefully if things lighten up, maybe midsummer, we can do an episode a week. Uh, I was fortunate enough last week, or last time, I guess, we had a podcast where I had La- Ryan Lampers on. Um, hopefully you guys enjoyed that episode. That guy's just a fascinating guy to talk to you. I really appreciate his perspective on hunting and just the intricacies, the little things that that guy does that makes him so successful in the woods. Um I've heard through the grapevine that we may be able to have he and Grady in the office here in the coming week. We'll be able to do another big hunt guys podcast with those guys and we can pick their brain and just kind of hopefully dive a little bit deeper. Uh, I always think there's a lesson to be learned from those guys that are out in the woods all the time and so successful. Uh, With that, uh, this is going to be a solo episode. Uh, I've been trying to do an episode with the guests and then an episode by myself. And like I've said, primarily, I just like. The opportunity to, you know, we pass on uh, things that I've been thinking about and working on, and uh, this one, this episode is going to be mostly archery focused. Uh, It's kind of what I'm into. I like to shoot my bow a lot, and this last week, I was fortunate enough that I had a day that I could dedicate to running down to Vegas from Southern Utah, which is where I live, and attend the Vegas shoot, the archery shoot, which is. If you haven't, if you're not aware of, uh, you don't follow competition archery, uh, it's kind of touted as the Super Bowl of archery. And I guess it's fitting because today is Sunday, uh, Super Bowl is going on today. We, I know that my table upstairs, we got just lined with a bunch of food that I probably shouldn't eat, <laughs> uh, but we're going to sit down and watch the Super Bowl and, and probably gorge ourselves. But uh, that Vegas shoot is an incredible shoot. It's an awesome opportunity to watch. Uh, people that are elite in their field. And I think it's a cool chance to to watch somebody um, or a bunch of people that are, are truly uh, gifted and elite and have dedicated their life to uh, an endeavor like archery. And I know that for me, it was a good chance to pick up on some things uh, that I can hopefully learn from, and hopefully I can pass on to you guys just some observations that I think are going to make a difference for you in the field this year. I know that they already are for me, just within a week, and um, you know, hopefully make me better this coming fall. I know that this last fall, uh, I missed I missed some shots, and uh, you know, I was fortunate enough, and I was still able to take animals that I missed. But that's usually not the case. Uh, normally, if you hunt you know, five to 10 days with a bow in your hand, you're not going to get multiple opportunities. Often it comes down to one chance, especially when you start hunting, you know, bigger mature animals, they're smart and they don't give you multiple opportunities in most cases. So if you're not able to capitalize on those shots, it's gonna be the difference between, you know, being successful or just having a heartache for the rest of the year. So I'm always trying to get better. And I was able to note some things. I went down there with the intent of, you know, catching up with some friends, watching the shoot, which is incredible. And then also just trying to analyze these professionals and try to pick up on some things that can make me better. So that's what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to try to pass on uh, things that I learned from watching those guys, things that I'm trying to implement in my own shot. And hopefully it's going to make us all a little bit better this coming fall. Uh, before I dive into my notes from watching that shoot, I'm going to hit you with a promo. Uh, you can use the promo code Game Trail. That's GameTrail. That's G A M E T R A I L. If you want to sign up for a Go Hunt Insider account, um, and you're going to get 50 points back in the Go Hunt Gear Shop, and 50 points is $50. You can use that towards the purchase of any equipment that you want in the shop, including archery equipment. Uh, we're going to be doing a bunch of a bunch of uh, archery related content in March and then throughout the summer months as we kind of ramp up towards uh, the fall. Uh, Now's also a great time to do some research. Uh, I know that you still have some draws coming up. You still got Colorado, New Mexico, uh, Utah, Wyoming, uh, deer and uh, antelope. So there's still an opportunity to get a permit. Uh, I know I got my application in for uh, elk and antelope in Arizona. Chris Neville and I are going to try to go down and do a late season uh, archery elk hunt uh, that's a fun hunt I know that a lot of people look at Arizona especially elk is kind of this pipe dream you know an opportunity that they'll never really give but reality is, is if you're willing to you know hunt some late stuff whether that's late rifle or even late archery there are some opportunities to go down there and hunt and um, I know that this morning when I got up and I went out and run the dog it was 16 degrees so uh, thinking about those November days in uh, Arizona where the daytime highs are, are typically in the 50s and 60s, that would be a welcome uh, environment for me to get out and, and chase spot and stock archery out. Uh, there's still a lot of opportunity, like I said, to apply for tags and get a tag to go hunting this fall. Uh, all you got to do is get yourself an insider research account, do some research and put a permit in your pocket and then you know get ready for the fall. Um, also, if you want to use that promo code in the gear shop uh, if you're already a member, you can use that to get 10% off on most products in the shop. So that's another little added bonus of using the promo code, uh, game trail. Uh, I'm so I used to say in for the other one that I, I almost slipped that in, but yeah, use that promo code game trail. Uh, also I wanted to, uh, thank Matthews. Matthews is a sponsor. It was really fun to catch up with some friends that work over at Matthews. Uh, I haven't had a chance to tinker or play with the title bows and, uh, I didn't really have a chance to shoot it when I was there at the Vegas shoot. They had a number of them there sitting at the table and they had a little archery range that guys could shoot that title. Uh, But it was fun to just pick it up and look at the specs on it, get a feel for it in your hand. Um, But I wanted to thank Matthews as a, a sponsor of the podcast. Those guys have been super cool and just a good company and they make a phenomenal product. It was really fun to see uh, a lot of the top shooters shooting Matthews bows. Uh, I know that this next week we're going to have Kyle Douglas on the, the Big Hung Guys podcast. We're going to meet him up at the Western High Expo. And, um, you know, I want to run through some of his equipment. I want to run through uh, his process, what it's like to be on the line in such a high-pressure situation. And, you know, ask him some individual form questions. Uh, and then also, you know, talk bow hunting with him because he's a diehard DIY bow hunter, which I respect a lot, but, uh, it'll be really fun. And like I said, I wanted to thank Matthews as a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, so like I said, this is going to be a solo. It's going to be just me talking probably for the next 45 minutes or so. And just running through some of my notes. Uh, it is going to be archery heavy. Uh, I really like shooting my bow. It's truly one of my most simple pleasures in life. I look forward to it every day. And uh, I'm always trying to get better at it, like I said, because there's nothing really like that feeling of uh, getting into the woods and getting close to a big buck or a bull and having it all come together and get a, a chance at an animal like that. And I want to try to capitalize on those. So uh, with that, I'm going to run through some of my notes, uh, just things that I went down there with the intent of watching and looking for and trying to find the little intricacies of these professionals uh, and try to help me be better. So with that, I'm going to jump in. Um, I kind of set off to the edge uh, on the final day, the final shoot-off. I think there were 27 or 28 shooters that made the final shoot-off. And uh, for those of you that aren't aware, um, you know, you have to shoot clean. So three days, you have to shoot uh, 30 arrows a day, perfect, clean arrows a day uh, to even make it into that shoot-off. Uh, so you're you're sh- essentially shooting 90 arrows in three days, and you've got to shoot a per- perfect score to get into that shoot-off. So these are truly the best of the best. Uh, these are people that have, like I said, dedicated their lives to this, and so it's really fun to, to watch them. Uh, as I was sitting there watching, I took my uh, SIG Zulu 6 image stabilized binos. I took the 16 power so that I could really sit and watch these guys shoot. And I was looking for things um that could make me better and I was kind of analyzing it all the way from their feet you know all the way to you know what they were doing with their head their eyes uh even their focus kind of watching their body language and what they were doing in between arrows and uh I'm going to pass those on so uh I'm going to start with uh something that I noticed just from the base uh which is their stance and I was looking at their stance and I think you know in the woods uh, you don't always get the opportunity to get a perfect stance, a perfect base when you're getting a shot at an animal. Um, but I wanted to know and look to see what what are these guys doing? What does it look like when they're doing it perfectly? And um, things that I noticed, um, you know, most people, they talk when they're kind of introducing or coaching archery to a new bow hunter, a new shooter, is that uh, they always say, you know, put your feet about shoulder width apart. And as I was looking at these shooters, um, I wouldn't say that they're shoulder width apart, if you will. Uh, rather, I would suggest that it looked to me like most of these pro-level bow hunter or shooters are standing in a comfortable position uh, with their feet, uh, where their feet are pretty much directly underneath their hips. Uh, so I would say slightly more narrow than their shoulders. Uh, I would say that they looked comfortable. Uh, which I think is probably the most important factor. Um, I would say that their feet are pretty well centered underneath their hips. They're standing in a nice straight line from their hips down to their feet. Uh, something that I noticed is that those pros uh, have a slightly open stance, so their hip is slightly open to the target. Uh, their front foot, their leading foot is slightly open, in the. it's a little bit of an angle towards their target. They're not standing up there completely perpendicular to the target with their feet uh, straight facing out. They've got kind of a slightly open stance, feet underneath the hips, uh, nice alignment, and they look comfortable. Um, And I think when I'm shooting up at the range, I don't often think about my stance and getting my base set, but that really is the balance point. It is the foundation of your entire shot. So I think it's important to think about your foot placement and your stance before you even get started with trying to draw your bow, uh, thinking about aiming, anything else that's going to come subsequently. And uh, as I watched those, those were some observations that I made. They look comfortable. They look centered underneath their hips and they look slightly open to the target with their hips and their front leading foot. Uh, And I'm going to work on that. I'm going to think more about it. Uh, As I was thinking about it, as I was driving home that afternoon, uh, I was thinking about, uh, you know, talking to Trent at born and raised when I hunted with those guys up in Wyoming. And I, I may have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I remember talking to him after he shot this bull, he called this bull in to about 18 yards, uh, took a frontal shot. I uh, killed that bull with one arrow. I think he went about 80 yards, but. Uh, I remember talking to him and I remember him noting that, uh, prior to shooting that bull. That he was cognizant of his stance. He was thinking about clearing a little spot, uh, mostly removing any vegetation, any sticks, twigs, anything that would cause any noise if he did have to shift his position. Uh, but he was getting a comfortable foot position. I remember he kicked out a little bit of spot of dirt so that he could get his front foot set so that he could be more balanced. And, uh, in an elk hunting situation, a lot of times you've got that opportunity, uh, whether you're calling yourself or you've got somebody that's calling before you, behind you, um, you've got kind of that window of time when, you know, you've got a bull worked up, he's bugling, he's talking, he's coming in, uh, you've got that opportunity to really clear a little spot and make sure that you've got the best foot placement that you can so that you offer yourself a real balanced Uh, body position so that you can make the most of that opportunity when that bull does come in and um you know that clicked with my head as I was watching these guys shoot uh I definitely think it's worth thinking about it's worth being more intentional both in my practice and then also when I'm in the field and uh, when I'm shooting um so that's worth noting uh next thing that I kind of noticed I wanted to talk about is uh releases selection of releases, what releases were guys using, and also kind of the position of the release and their release hand. Um, That's something that I've done a bunch of tinkering with and I made some observations. I was down there watching these pros shoot. Um, Most of the shooters, as I look down the line, were shooting a handheld release, uh, either a thumb button that's got a trigger, uh, probably the most popular release on the line that I observed uh, was a true ball goat release. Uh, so there is something about that release that, uh, it's causing those top level shooters to select. Um, it's definitely got my wheels turning. It makes me want to pick one up and just do some tinkering and playing with it to see if there's a reason that those guys are selecting that release. Um, but most of them are using a handheld release. There were a few, including the the individual, Jacob Marlowe. He was shooting a hinge release. Uh, there was one shooter on the line uh, that was shooting a wrist style index finger release. And at the end of this, I'm going to talk. I want to talk about what I observed in the way that he was shooting that release that I think would be good information to pass on to you guys that might be shooting that style of release. Uh, But most of them were shooting a handheld release. And as I thought about it, as I watched these guys shoot, I think there's probably a couple of reasons for it. Um, One of them, I think, has to do with anchor point. Uh, I think a handheld release, whether it's a hinge or a thumb button release, I think it allows you to be more consistent with your anchor point. And the reason I think that is, you know, partly experience and then partly through observation. But I think in using a handheld release, it allows you the ability to uh, draw your bow and then find that feeling of splitting your pointer finger and your middle finger uh, on your jawline. And it's a feeling as you draw your bow, you can basically split uh, those two fingers kind of in that in those knuckles between those two knuckles along your jawline. And I think it provides you a more consistent feel and a more consistent anchor point. And as you watch these guys shoot, you can tell that consistency matters most. Um, you know, whether that's in, you know, draw length or form or whatever it might be consistency over and over matters most. And, uh, that's one of the reasons that I think a lot of them are using a handheld, uh, release is because it allows for a more consistent anchor point, if you will, uh, One of the other reasons I think that probably uh, some of these guys are using a handheld release is it allows you to get nice uh, alignment. Uh, As you watch these guys shoot and they've got their handheld release in their hand and they draw their bow, uh, you don't see anybody that's got their release hand kind of balled up, if you will. They're not really super deep into those handheld releases. Um, They keep their hand nice and flat. Uh, along the back of the hand and they keep that alignment all the way between the back of their hand through their forearm of their draw draw arm Um, and and that's something that uh, you know I've been thinking about because I do have a tendency to get a little bit balled up in my hand held release if you will and I get some angle inconsistency in my release hand there's sometimes I've been noticing that I get a little bend in that release as I anchor And, uh, I think that handheld release allows these people to, you know, keep a nice straight line, uh, in their hand and then also back through their wrist and through their forearm of their draw hand. So that's something I noticed. Um, something else that I was paying particular attention to is the angle of their release hand. Um, you know, I've, I would say in, in looking and I do this quite a bit is I'll take my phone out and I'll record uh, me shooting. And uh, I've noticed that my release hand, it gets a little bit flat along my uh, jawline. It's more of a a flat, um, I don't know how to say it other than it's just flat. And these guys, when I watch them shoot, a lot of them have a pretty decent angle of their release hand. Uh, And as I tinkered with that since I've been home, uh, one of the reasons that I think that they have more angle in that release hand, as they come to full draw and anchor in, is that I think it allows them to engage their rhomboid muscles better. If you think about it, uh, if your hand's kind of flattened out, your forearm's kind of flattened out as as you as you will as you think about it. And I think that uh, it puts more tension in your forearm, more tension in your bicep, and it doesn't put as much of that holding tension in your rhomboid muscles. It doesn't allow you to be as relaxed through your forearm. Um, you really want that tension. Uh, I know that when I'm shooting really well, uh, I'm almost relaxed at full draw and I've got most of that holding weight and tension in my rhomboid muscles right behind my shoulder blade. And I think a slightly increased angle on my release hand allows me, to uh, put more of that tension in the rhomboid. And it allows me to be more relaxed through uh, my wrist, my forearm, and my bicep. So that was something else that I noticed. Uh, like I said, I've, I've been paying close attention to that and I'm really trying to pick apart the details and that was one little thing that I noted. Um, going back to the individual that was shooting an index finger uh, wrist strap stra- style release, uh, the one thing that I noticed was uh, where he had that trigger in his hand. And he had the trigger in the meaty part between the first and the second joint of his index finger. Uh, so he shortened up the length of that release in his hand so that it wasn't out towards the tip of his fingertip. And that's something that I observed quite a bit when guys are shooting, whether it's at a local shoot or a attack event. A lot of us are used to activating the trigger Uh, on a rifle with kind of the tip of our finger. And uh, this guy that was shooting it on the the final day in the shoot off that was shooting that style release, he had that trigger bedded way back uh, in his finger. And I think, you know, as as I watched, um, I think the reason for that was that he is shooting a very relaxed style shot. He's essentially bedding that finger uh, deep into the release and He's essentially push pulling with the bow hand and then the release hand, that rhomboid muscle, and he's essentially dragging that finger across the release to activate it. He's not really punching it. He's not like jerking it like a trigger, like you might on a rifle. Um, Well, you shouldn't on a rifle probably, but uh, I see a lot of guys do it, myself included, but he's essentially dragging that finger across the release and he's using that tension to activate it. And, uh, that was something that I noted and wanted to pass on. Cause I know it's a super popular release style for most bow hunters. And I think it can be shot really accurately and really well. Uh, I think you just gotta be particular about how you shoot it. Um, another thing that I noticed, uh, and this has been interesting the last few years. Um, and I, have talked a lot about target panic. Uh, I had a bad t- case of target panic, um, you know, maybe 10, 12 years ago to the point where I was thinking about giving up archery altogether. Cause it, it was just such a mess and I switched over to a hinge release and, uh, you know, it's helped me quite a bit. It's helped me relearn to, to shoot and activate a release in a manner that is much more controlled and I just feel more comfortable and I've gotten a whole lot more consistent. I don't know that I'm a, a ton more accurate, if you will, but I think I've gotten a lot more consistent in my shot. And that's kind of the reason that I went to a hinge, but, uh, in watching a lot of these top level, level shooters, uh, shoot, there are a number of guys out there right now, uh, particularly that are what you would call a puncher. So essentially they are choosing to punch the release. They're activating that trigger. Um, you know, they're kind of jerking it if you will. And, um, I'm not advocating that. I do think it's a super accurate uh, way to shoot a bow and arrow. If you can put the pin on the target and at that precise moment, you can activate the release. I think it's the most accurate way to shoot a bow. I just don't know that a lot of us can do it consistently. Uh, There is something about those individuals that are able to do it. And maybe it's just purely, you know, that they've made the decision and they have the determination to activate their release at the precise moment when their pin is on the target uh, it does have me thinking about it uh you know is that purely just a limitation that I've put on myself I've just told myself that I can't do it and so I've talked myself into you know the fact that I can't maybe I could do it maybe if I made the determination to do it I could um, but I think it's worth noting that they're definitely right now Uh, some very, very top level shooters, including, you know, Kyle Douglas or, uh, uh, you know, Jimmy Lutz. uh, Those guys are punching the trigger and they're able to do it over and over and over. And they're at the top of their game. Um, And purely, maybe that's just a factor of determination. Uh, I'm going to talk more about determination at the end, but that was an observation that I made. Uh, I did watch a number of guys that were shooting a hinge release. Um, Most of the guys weren't shooting a hinge. In fact, I would say most of the shooters on the line were shooting a thumb button style release. Uh, But I wanted to talk a little bit about how uh, I observed those guys activating their releases. So guys that were shooting a hinge, uh, for those of you that are aware, a hinge is essentially a release that, um, you know, the angle of the release as it rotates in the hand is what's required to make that release fire. And to me, in watching the guys that were shooting a hinge, It appeared to me that they are pulling into that wall and it looked like they were pretty calculated in allowing that hinge through relaxation uh, of their fingers. Those, you know, third, fourth finger, if they're shooting a four finger release, they're using relaxation of that hand as they pull through with their rhomboids to activate the release. But a hinge, it does have to rotate to fire. I think if, as you shoot it more and more and more, you get more comfortable with activating a release that way. But really, I think it, it, uh, it comes down to being cognizant, being mindful, uh, of keeping a relaxed release hand and essentially relaxing and rotating through that shot. Uh, that was pretty much what I observed in watching those guys shoot is that, uh, you know, they were allowing that, that release hand to rotate. I think, um, you know, if you're just starting with the hinge, I think people think you're just going to pull the wheels off the bow. And and essentially that's, what's going to pull that, uh, angle of the release to change and make it activate. But I think you have to be mindful if you want to switch to a hinge, I think you do need that tension in your rhomboid, but it's essentially a relaxation of the hand uh, of the forearm, of the bicep, and allowing the pulling to be done through the rhomboid and and keeping a relaxed hand that's allowing that uh, release to fire. And I think it's a great way, super accurate way to shoot a bow. Um, it just takes some work and some effort. Um, the guys that were shooting thumb button releases, like I said, there are some people that are definitely, you know, punching it. And I think it's a great way to shoot a bow if you can do it. Uh, Of the people that were shooting a thumb button, I would suggest that they were shooting it very similarly to a hinge release in that they were laying their thumb over the button and they were using that same manner of activation that the guys that were shooting a hinge were. They were essentially keeping a relaxed hand, pulling through with the rhomboid and allowing their thumb to essentially drag across the trigger and allowing that to activate the release and making it go off. Um that was an observation that I made, and it's something like I said, I've tinkered with a lot, and I wanted to note that in this podcast because I think release hand, uh, the way that you release uh the bow is is the most important. I think it's really important in your overall accuracy. Um, just being consistent with it. And uh, you know, if you can't punch it, if you do have to activate a release with a relaxed hand through kind of a push-pull motion um, you have to be thinking about it and you have to be consistent with it and you have to practice it. And I think that's probably one of the biggest factors that's going to aid in, in the accuracy, uh, that you have. So that was an observation I made. I spent a lot of time just looking through my 16 power binoculars at these guys' releases and release hands and watching them shoot. Uh, the next thing I wanted to note is kind of anchor point. Um, so I saw a lot of people shooting, uh, nose buttons, if you will, or kisser buttons. Um, I already talked a little bit about, uh, the release hand and the way that that looked and, and feels is you're splitting those two different knuckles uh, on your jawline. I think that's an excellent anchor point. Um, anchor point is really a combination of like three things for me. And, and in watching these guys, I would say for them as well, it's really that feeling of your release hand on your face. So splitting those knuckles, also, the bowstring uh, in relation to the tip of your nose, that that feeling of uh, the string contacting your nose, and then also the string to the corner of your mouth. Um, what I observed is, uh, you know, some people using a nose button, and I've done a lot of thinking about that in the last week. Uh, I do have the tendency, as I come to full draw, and I'm trying to aim, if my aim isn't good and the shot's not breaking clean I do have a tendency to essentially drop out of my peep um, you know as you come to full draw I align my peep with my housing my site housing and if I'm getting long in the draw or long in the time I do have a tendency to kind of dip or drop out of my peep which causes me some misses and I think a nose button might help me. I think it might keep me up in the peep and it might help me be more consistent in keeping the alignment true. Uh, so that was something I've been thinking about. Uh, those are the, the individuals that were not shooting a nose button, uh, they were maintaining contact with their string. But the thing I noted was that the contact was very, very light. I mean, just ever so slight to their string. Uh, most of the guys were not also uh, having contact with like the tip of the nose. It was almost just kind of off to the side and the contact was really, really light. And I do have a tendency I've noticed uh, since I got home and I've been shooting here in my basement is that I can kind of get my nose into the string. Um, Also with the corner of my mouth, I do have a tendency sometimes to get that string a little bit too buried into the corner of my mouth. And I think that contact either with my nose or into the corner of my mouth it's probably causing me some inconsistencies Is that string breaks and goes forward and ultimately where my arrow lint ends up. So uh, that was something that I noticed is that those guys were, for the most part, all having three points of contact. Uh, but they were very light with the tip of their nose, also very light with the corner of their mouth. And uh, I also have been thinking it maybe a a... Uh, Another point of contact, either the tip of my nose with a nose button or maybe a kisser button in the corner of my mouth might help me be more consistent and staying uh, in my peep and keeping good alignment between my peep and my sight. So that was something that I noticed, something I wanted to pass on to you guys. Uh, Next up, grip. Uh, I spent a lot of time looking at people's grips. um, How they grip the bow. And I've even since I got home, I've gone back and I've watched... Uh, the YouTube version of the shoot off. I've been watching, you know, the Lancaster classic that just happened. uh, And I've gone back and I've watched the shoot off and I've paid particular attention to grip. And there are some things that I noticed about grip that I thought would be interesting to pass on. Um, One of the things that I noticed is that most of those top level shooters uh, they're not gripping the bow in what I would call a high wrist fashion or a low wrist fashion and what I mean by that is that uh, when you' when you're gripping the bow their arm their bow arm is not completely straight so that their wrist is is straight it's kind of bent back at an angle but it's not low it's not where they're getting really a lot of the fat meaty part of their thumb into the bottom part of the grip uh, I would call it for the most part, medium grip. So, you know, they've got some bend in their wrist. They're not shooting a high wrist and they're not shooting low wrist. They're shooting kind of a medium grip. And uh, it looks to me like their hands are super relaxed, their bow hand. They're essentially uh, lining up that bow. They're allowing the bow to be an extension of their bow arm. And they're pulling into that uh, with their back half. And they're allowing that grip to stay relaxed in their hand in kind of a medium grip fashion. They've got contact with the bow for sure, but they're not putting a lot of heel pressure. And I've noticed uh, my own personal shooting, I do tend to put at times more pressure into the heel of the bow. And what that causes me to do in a lot of cases is it causes me to heel the bow out and I'll get arrows that run hot. They shoot out the top. And I think it's because I'm putting too much pressure in the heel of my bow. And uh, I'm not maintaining good kind of a medium wrist or medium grip, if you will. And I'm not keeping my hand quite soft enough. Uh, the other thing that I noticed is uh, kind of the angle of their grip hand. And uh, I was looking at this from two different ways. Uh, one, I was looking at the back of their hand as if they're at full draw. Um, So if you imagine yourself, if you're a right-handed shooter, you've got the bow in your left hand and you're at full draw. If you look at the knuckle alignment of the back of their hand, it kind of comes off at an angle, uh, maybe about a 40 degree angle down towards the ground. And uh, if you look at it from the front of the bow, uh, they've got a couple of their fingers, usually their pointer finger and their middle finger kind of lightly resting on the front of the riser. It's not gripping the bow um, like a death grip by any means. It's just kind of lightly resting on the front of their bow. Uh, There are some guys that tend to tuck their fingers. So maybe their ring finger, their pinky finger underneath, kind of to the side of the riser. And I would assume that that's probably helping them maintain that angle, that proper grip for them. But that was something that I noticed is is kind of that grip angle. And then also uh, just the position of their fingers on the front of the bow. Uh, I've had buddies here locally that are, you know, better shots than I am uh, that will glue a, a dot or a couple dots on the front of the riser. And what that is, is just a reminder for them. It's a consistent position that they can put the tips of their pointer finger and their ring finger on the front of the riser as they come to full draw and it helps them to maintain a consistent grip. And that's something that I've thought about and I might tinker with, but um, grip was really interesting to look at. The other thing that I would note with grip, uh, if you you look at your hand, you've got what they call that lifeline. It's kind of a half arc just inside your thumb there. Um, You know, these guys are not allowing that grip really to cross that line unless it's maybe just right at the bottom. Uh, they're keeping that grip kind of in the meaty pad part of their thumb. And, uh, you know, that's pretty consistent in watching these top level shooters shoot. And I think your grip is really important. I mean, it's the contact point with the bow as you pull through your shot and you kind of, you know, push, push, pull method, if you will. Um, grip is really important because it's probably going to dictate where your, your arrow ends up. So Grip was really interesting to watch. And uh, I've learned some things about my own grip, mostly in just uh, relaxing, maintaining that proper angle of my grip, and then uh, also just being consistent with my fingers on the front part of the riser. And I think you got to be thoughtful about your grip, just like you do with your stance. You got to, it's got to be part of your process. You got to make sure that you're gripping the bow the exact same way every single time before you come to full draw and execute a shoot, a shot. Um, next thing I noticed, and this is something I wanted to pay attention to, cause I've had this debate with, with people before, uh, was whether you should shoot with one eye open or both eyes open, or, you know, if you squint with your one eye and, and kind of aim with your other. So that was something I wanted to pay attention to and I wanted to watch these guys. And, you get all manner. Um, you get guys that are completely closing one eye and aiming with, uh, you know, their right eye if they're a right-handed shooter. You get some guys that are shooting with both eyes open. Uh, you're getting some guys that appears like they're kind of squinting their left eye and and shooting aiming with their right if they're a right-handed shooter. And kind of some observations. It looked to me like a lot of the younger guys, and maybe it's because they got younger eyes, are shooting with both eyes open. Uh, they're looking at their intended uh, target the spot that they want to hit and they are keeping both eyes open. And as I think it through, I think that's probably the best way to do it if you can do it. Uh, and like I said, a lot of these guys that are doing it, I noted were younger. Uh, you know, the guy that won it, his name is Mateus Fullerton, 20 year old. Uh, he's got both eyes open. He's looking at his target both eye, with both eyes. And I think it probably allows him to have better context, better field of view. Uh, personally, I can't do it. I'm far-sighted in one eye and nearsighted in the other. I'm, I guess I guess it makes me cockeyed maybe, <laughs> but, uh, essentially I, I can't really do it. It kind of blurs out for me. So what I've been doing is I've been squinting my left eye and using my right eye to aim. Uh, as I looked down the line, I did notice some shooters that were completely closing their left eye and aiming with their right eye. And, uh, it's got me thinking, you know, it, It makes me wonder if closing, just completely closing my left eye would be a better option. I wonder if I would be more consistent. And I I wonder if if it, uh, you know, tension is, it robs accuracy. And I wonder if trying to squint, uh, that little bit of a blink, I wonder if that's just adding a little bit more tension. Um, I know it would be minor, but uh, I'm looking for small gains. And so that's something I'm, I'm going to tinker with, you know, maybe closing one eye completely and aiming with my right eye, um, and just seeing if it makes a difference. I think, you know, in archery, it's really in the details that are going to make the difference. And so that was just one thing that I observed and, and one thing I'm going to play with. Uh, so that was interesting. I would say if you've got good eyesight, I think shooting with both eyes open, I think it provides context and, and fill the view. And I think it's, uh, it's probably the the better way to do it. Um, I already talked a little bit, uh, about release and release hand angle. Um, I want to add more to it if I can. Um, one thing I've been thinking about is, uh, the way that I anchor and, uh, already noted that, uh, you know, anchor point, um, you know, splitting your, your knuckles, if you will, of, of your pointer finger and your ring finger between your jawline, uh, is, Probably the best way to get a consistent anchor point and feel. Uh, I've been thinking a lot about release hand angle. And what I mean by that is uh, I have a tendency to kind of flatten my hand out and almost put uh, my pointer finger kind of underneath my jaw. And it's more of a flat hand. And what I observed in watching these guys shoot is a lot of them have a better angle, it's more of a steeper angle. And I wondered why they would, would do that. It's not totally vertical. Like they're not flipping their hand completely outright facing away from their face. Uh, but it's not completely flat either, but it's a pretty good angle on their jawline. And, uh, what it's got me thinking about, and as I have played with it this week, since I've got home is I think that increased angle on the release hand I think it allows me as I draw my bow to put more of the holding weight and the tension in that rhomboid muscle. I think as I tend to flatten my hand out, it puts more of the holding weight and more tension in my forearm and in my bicep where you really want that back behind my back, behind my shoulder blade and allow me to pull into that wall a little bit better. And as I played with that, I think it's made a difference. So I've been tinkering. And like I said, I'm, I'm going to try to be more aware of that angle on my face. I want to maintain my consistent anchor point. I want to be able to feel that, but I also want to uh, put more of that holding weight back in my rhomboid muscles and take that tension out of my forearm and my, bice- my bicep. So uh, release hand angle we're thinking about. Um, mm-hmm like I said, just, just tinkering and playing with these different things, I think are ultimately going to make a difference for you. Um, so like I said, I wanted to to note that, um, next thing, uh, kind of along with that, I think it goes hand in hand, uh, drawing the bow. Uh, I wanted to watch how these professionals are drawing their bows. I know that when I go to a local shoot, if I shoot with buddies or if I go up to attack event, I see a lot of people, drawing their bow, and a lot of them are shooting a wrist strap release with an index finger trigger. Uh, A lot of them are drawing their bow with their draw arm down, kind of tucked into their body, and they're pulling it back, and then they're rotating it back up into a full draw position. And as I look down the line with these pro shooters, nobody is drawing their bow that way. They're all drawing the bow with their drawing arm up, their elbow kind of up, almost you know, level with the shoulder blade, if you will. And they're drawing their bow up. And as they're drawing, they're rotating that draw arm back and towards their face. They're kind of locking in their anchor position at full draw uh, with that tension in their rhomboid muscle. And I think that's why they're doing it. I also think that yields or it, it kind of supports Uh, The reason that I think a lot of guys are shooting a handheld release because I think it's easier to draw the bow in that manner with a handheld release than it is an index uh, wrist strap style release. Uh, One of the reasons I think they're drawing their bow that way is because I think it sets your body up more uh, properly, for lack of a better word, uh, to be in good shooting form to where you're going to be the most accurate. I think it's the best manner of drawing your bow and loading up that rhomboid muscles and allowing you to take the tension out of your forearm and your bicep of your release arm. And that was something that I noticed. Uh, That's how I've always drawn a bow. To me, it's just been more comfortable. Uh, But it's something I wanted to to talk about and pass on to you guys to hopefully make you think about how you're drawing your bow. Because drawing a bow isn't simply about just getting the bow, you know, back and into full draw position. It's also setting your whole frame up, setting your whole form up to accurately shoot the best arrow that you possibly can. So, you know, think about the way that you draw your bow. And like I said, I think it, at least that's what the pros are doing. They're drawn with that back elbow up, you know, parallel with the shoulder and they're rotating it back around into a, sh- a full, tra- full draw position to where their rhomboid muscle is completely loaded up. Uh, so think about that. Uh, next thing I wanted to talk about is the bow arm itself. Um, you know, recently I think I listened to a Joe Rogan podcast. He had Cam Haynes and you know, those guys were talking about bow arms. Uh, you know, Cam had suggested that local pro shop that he goes to, maybe some of those guys have suggested that having a bent bow arm is better, that you're more steady. Uh, I think Joe had mentioned that he had heard, keeping your bow arm uh, straight is preferred. Um, So I wanted to pass on just kind of some observations because that was something I was looking for as I was down there watching these guys shoot. Uh, I would say that for the most part, you know, minus maybe one or two guys, those guys' bow arm alignment is pretty straight and it would make sense to me. Uh, I know that when I got into archery more heavily, uh, a guy that I kind of looked up to and I asked these types of questions to was Kevin Wilkie. And I remember, you know, talking to Kevin Wilkie, who's a factory shooter for Hoyt. I was asking him about my bow arm, you know, whether to shoot it with a bent or uh, straight, something he'd said kind of an analogy he'd, he'd given me was uh, he goes, you know, if you think about leaning up against a door jam and you're just going to lean up against it. He's like, if you keep that arm straight, and you keep that bone-on-bone alignment, you could lean there forever. It's super stable. As soon as you start to put a bend in your elbow, you're uh, inducing muscle into holding yourself up. And muscle fatigues over time. You know, it can start to shake, and, you know, you're you're less stable. So the way he explained it to me is if you keep that bone-on-bone alignment of your bow arm, it's going to be more stable as you pull into that back wall with your draw arm. And to me, that makes sense. So as I was watching these guys shoot, it's something that I paid attention to. Now in saying that, it doesn't appear to me that these guys are locking out their bow arms. It's not like those arms are completely locked out. And you can do some tinkering with this. You can stick your bow arm out and you can feel the difference between having that bow arm just straight and having that bow be an extension of your bow arm Versus really putting tension and locking that bow arm out. There's definitely a difference between those two. Um, And to me, a relaxed bow arm that is straight yields the best results. And I've noticed that in my own shooting and observationally and watching these guys shoot, I would suggest to you that that is the method that most of these guys are using. Uh, In saying that, there are a couple guys on the line that appeared to have a slight bend in their bow arm. And that kind of yields itself or it lends itself into kind of a next area of discussion. Uh, Something that I would note is that um, I think there are proper, you know, quote unquote, proper ways to do things but I also think that probably the most important thing is just being able to repeat whatever it is that you do consistently over and over the exact same way every time. Um I wanted to pay attention when I was down there to people's draw lengths and I was looking at draw lengths because you know when you when you go to a bow shop and you're trying to get set up for a bow for the first time what they do most often is they're going to put you against a wall, they're going to measure you fingertip to fingertip your wingspan and they're gonna divide that by two and a half and they're gonna start you there. And it might depend a little bit. Um, you know, f- for the most part, it's gonna put you in the ballpark. But if you talk to an archer coach, if you talk to a lot of the pros, they'll always tell you, you know, essentially your body should be in alignment, right? So your your hips should be over your feet, your shoulders straight in line above your hips. And you know, you should be able to come to full draw. You should have your bow arm, that shoulder kind of sitting in low and in the pocket, you know, straight arm, as I already mentioned, and you should have good alignment from your forearm all the way straight back uh, of your draw arm. So everything kind of in in alignment. Um, It's a a T position, if you will. Uh, In watching these guys, I would say that most of them are in that position. It's a nice straight alignment, hips over feet, you know, shoulders over hips and they're in a nice T formation, but there are some individuals that, you know, appear to got some, some lean in it, some lean back. And, uh, I would say start with proper, you know, quote unquote, like I said, proper form, but ultimately I think it's consistency that matters. And if you're a guy that tends to, you know, maybe hold or aim better with a little bit of lean in it, you know, maybe your draw length's a little bit long or maybe it's a little short Maybe your form doesn't look exactly proper. It doesn't mean that you can't be accurate. You just have to be cognizant of it and make sure that you do everything the exact same way every single time. Um, But that was interesting. I wanted to look at draw length. So I would say, you know, look at that. Think about it. Tinker with it. That's how you get better is is trying things and playing with some things. Um, Last, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about is I wanted to watch these guys uh, demeanor. I just wanted to see what it looked like when they were out on the line. And if you never watched this shoot or been to one of these shoots, essentially what they do is they start out shooting, you know, with the guys that made the finals and they're going to shoot three arrows per end. And eventually they get to a point where they've got it will whittled down to a number of guys. And at that point they go arrow by arrow. So they'll start at the far left end. uh, that individual will shoot an arrow and then they'll work, uh, through every individual shooter on the line. And one of the things that I wanted to pay close attention to as I was watching these guys, I just wanted to see what they were doing in between arrows uh, in that situation because, in essence, what you've got you do is you got your competitor that's just shot an arrow, you know, then you've got to go. And I wanted to know what those guys are doing in between arrows. Uh, you know, are they watching to see what their competitor does? What's their body language look like? You know, what are they doing with their eyes? And, uh, I guess the only thing I could, I could say, the only way I could explain this was the amount of determination and focus that you would see in these individuals in between arrows. Um, a lot of them were not watching to see what their competitor did. They weren't looking to see where their arrow hit. A lot of them were looking at their feet or directly at the, the shooter that was kind of in front of them, just kind of looking at their backs. I was watching their eyes and just kind of their demeanor. And the only way I could explain it is just absolute pure focus and determination. And those guys are shooting for a lot of money. uh There's a lot of money on the line if they are to win that shoot. And, uh, you know, when you're out hunting an animal, there's a lot of pressure. It's an intense situation. You're, you've dreamed about this opportunity and, you know, you put a lot of weight and effort and time and money into that. And, It really made me think about the amount of focus and determination that I put into each individual arrow that I shoot. There's a lot of times when I go up to the range, I would say most of the time when I go up to the range, I'm just shooting arrows. I'm not really putting a lot of focus and determination into each individual arrow. Uh, I know that when I shoot with a friend and we go up there and we have some friendly competition, it definitely raises my level of determination and focus. But I need to find a way to put that kind of um, emphasis on each individual arrow. And I think that's the only way I would ever get better. Uh, I'm a decent shot. I wouldn't suggest by any means that I'm a great shot. And I think I haven't really made a lot of improvement in my level of accuracy over the years. And I think it's primarily due to the fact that I don't practice with the amount of focus and determination that I should to get better. And I think as I watch these guys, it's made me want to put more emphasis on each individual arrow. Uh, I want to come to full draw and I want to focus and I want to be determined that that arrow is going to hit exactly the intended spot that I plan it to. And I've been working on that this week. It's not easy because like I said, a lot of the reason I like to shoot a bow is for you know, enjoyment, stress relief. Um, it's just like my little time, but, um, I think the only way you're going to get better, whether it's a target, uh, environment or whether it's in the field hunting is to be very intentional about each individual arrow and putting more focus on each arrow. And I think that's how you get better. And I think in the long run, you know, when you do come to full draw on a buck or a bull of a lifetime, I think it's going to allow you to be more focused, more intentional and make a better, more precise shot in the moment. And so that's something that I noticed, something I wanted to note and talk about because it was very real and very tangible as you watch these pro level shooters shoot. They're very intentional, very determined. Um, and I think that's something that I've been lacking in my own, my own practice and then you know ultimately in the field. So those were kind of my observations. Um, I know this is a little bit shorter. We're coming up on an hour. Um, I would suggest to you guys, if you get a chance to go to a local shoot, if you got a shoot that's within a couple hours of your house, whether it's an ASA or an IBO event or you know an indoor archery event like this one that I went to in Vegas, I would say go to it and go with the intent of looking at somebody who's absolutely best in class and trying to learn from these individuals just by watching them. I think it's going to make you a better bow hunter. It's going to make you a better shot. It's going to make shooting at practice more fun because what's more fun than than being accurate, right? Uh, go to one of these events and, uh, you know, get involved. If you got the time and effort and the ability to to put into shooting some of these, I think it's going to make you a better archer. I know that for me, uh, every time I go to one of these, it makes me want to get more involved. It's a fun environment and it makes me want to to do it. Um, so I'm going to try to do more of that in the new year. And I think putting yourselves in those types of high pressure situations, the more often you can do it, the better it's going to make you in the field when you're hunting. Uh, so get involved, do those if you can. I know I'm going to try to do that. So hopefully I'll see some of you guys in, uh, some of these local shoots. Uh, so with that, that's kind of the podcast for the week. Hopefully I pass on some information that's going to help you be better. Um, we'll be back here in two weeks with another podcast. I'll have a guest and, uh, appreciate you guys listening as always if you got feedback, please leave me feedback. I'll take the good with the bad. Uh, I'm not too worried about guys giving me bad feedback. So if you got some, you know, don't hesitate. I can take it. Uh, if you got good feedback, you like what I'm doing, you know, please leave us a rating and, uh, you know, make a comment, but I appreciate you guys listening and we'll see you next time.